This week on Mind Matters, Counselor Rita Schulte talks with Dr. Norman Wright. So get ready because your mind matters. Hello, everyone. I'm Richard Beatty for Mind Matters. Rita Schulte has Dr. Norman Wright in the studio, who has written volumes on marriage and relationships. In recent years, Norm Wright has experienced many losses, including some health challenges. But as we have learned, when the going gets tough, the tough overcome. Here's counselor and author, Rita Schulte. Dr. Norman Wright is a licensed marriage, family, and child therapist and was former director of the Graduate Department of Marriage, Family, and Child Counseling at Biola University, as well as an associate professor of psychology. He was also associate professor of Christian education and director of the Graduate Department of Christian Education at the Talbot School of Theology. At the present time, Dr. Wright is the research professor of Christian education at the same institution. He was in private practice for over 30 years and he's written over 90 books on counseling, grief, and trauma, including the Complete Guide to Crisis and Trauma Counseling. Today, we're gonna to be talking about his new book, Restarting the World, A New Normal After the Pandemic. I think it's important for a child to know that people are sad or they are hurt or they are angry. For example, anger, uh, I'll go in with a group of adults and say, okay, everybody, honestly now, get the hands up. How many of you are, have been angry this week? Okay, what caused your anger? Anger comes because of fear, frustration, or hurt. So when you get angry at your spouse or the children, what, what's really going on though, is that you've got some fear somewhere. I wonder what it is. Mm -hmm. I, I use a lot of tentative um, statements, tentative vocabulary. Um, and I'm trying to get them to come up with the idea because basically, as you know, as therapists, we try to work ourselves out of a job. Yeah. But to them, we want them to be able to walk away from us and uh, say, Norm, I don't need to see you anymore. Great. If you do, come on back. People ask me the question, um, uh, where have I learned the most about counseling? Has it been in classes? No. Has it been... Um, Reading books? No. Has it been in books? No. It's been my counselees. They have been my greatest teacher. And I listen to them. And if, if you came in as a new individual for counseling, I would look at you and in my mind I'm saying, this is Rita. Rita is going to teach me something about ministering to other people. She doesn't know it, but this is what's going to happen. And this is where um, one of the phrases I use with everybody practically is the statement, what is the loss in your life that you have never fully grieved over? And yeah. I was, over the last 20 years, 80% of the people that I've worked with have responded in the affirmative to that statement. 
What is the loss in your life that you've never fully grieved over? And that's where a lot of our work occurs. In sure. This epidemic that's, that's going on right now is activating all sorts of buried stuff, all sorts of buried hurt and fears and feelings. And so this is part of our job is to say, let's identify them and let's give them a name. A word to show them, yeah. Yeah. So, um yeah, because what we're, what we're conditioned to do, many of us, you know, how, how we grew up, you know, we bottle them up, we push them down and we close up shop and there our pain sits sometimes for decades. And when we do that, we miss out on the opportunity to see and understand the event or the series of events that oh, have been responsible for breaking our hearts. So hugely important. Let me give you an example. Uh, his name is Jim. He came in because... Um, over the last 10 years, he's had five major rejections that he was never able to deal with. Mm. So I worked with him, and it was one of the few times that I did re refer him to a, um, a medical doctor for some, uh, some help. And then uh, he went to a church called The Vineyard. Yeah. So one day he came in and says, Norm, uh, let me tell you what I do. What do you mean, what do you do? Well, on Sunday night, I go to my church, okay? And, uh, you know, at the vineyard, we, we sing praises and prayer and everything for about 35 minutes, and I'm not doing that. You're not. No. What I'm doing instead is I've identified the losses. Now I'm grieving over them. And so this went on for a few weeks, and gradually um, is his losses began to diminish. Yeah, because he began to face them and he processed them, put words to them. Yeah, beautiful. Okay, so we have time for maybe one more question. What do you hope people will take away from reading this book? Okay, let me go back to Jim. What happened though? Oh, okay, you're not done with Jim. Okay, let's go. He said, um, uh, I don't need to see you anymore. I'm doing fine. And we said goodbye. And so, Christmas came and went, and his wife came into the to the clinic, and I saw her and said, "How was your How was your um, Christmas?" She said, "Oh, it was wonderful." Well, what did you receive? My husband. Oh, I knew you were going to say that. That is awesome. Amen. What are they? I'll, yeah, tell so you, I'll tell you what I want them to 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 um, achieve, and um, basically. I want them to have hope mm. is something that is so, so important. And uh, so missing over the last two years. Let me show. Okay. Let me uh, give you the last page because I think it sums it up right there. Okay. Think about the choices you've made. Did you surprise yourself and learn and grow even when life was unstable? Have you learned this? Have you learned to trust in the Lord? We do not know when something better is coming in the future. But we can trust the promises. And here's the scriptures. In John, 4, John 14, 3. If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. And then Revelations 1, 7. Look, look, he is coming with the clouds. Mm. Every eye will see him. Wow. Powerful. This is a book that I wish 
every person, not just a pastor, not just a counselor, but every person had this and they go through and finish every exercise because there's a lot of work inside of this, this little book. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so readable. It's so, so well, tell can, us how we can get the book. How can folks get a hold of it? First, sure of all, first of all, the book itself was done not just by myself, but my office manager who's been with me 33 years. Yeah, Bryn. Bryn. She's a mother of four kids. So that aspect comes into the book. It's not just a professional. It's the people that are out there living like, you know, we, we've been called to live. And so uh, they can go to our website. And uh, can you give that? You can order the book at the website and the. Um, um, all is the, the, web, is the website normwright.com? Um, at lycos.com. That's okay. one of hnormanwright.com or hnormanwright at lycos.com and um, the books are, are signed if you need them personalized fine but uh, I'll tell you what's going to happen your book is going to start to look like it's dog-eared because you've been going through it again and again and again just that one exercise for example of um, uh, the instead of the losses the changes that is that has really opened the eyes for many people. They realize I'm sitting on a pile of changes and I didn't realize that these were changes. You're right. Mm -hmm. Now, what can we do about it? And again, I keep believing in them. That's that's one of the things that I try to do is to believe in the person. And I carry this book and another book called Experiencing Grief with me all the time. And I just um, pass them out to people. The ministry is not just in our office. Our ministry is going to the market. Our ministry is going to uh, Walmart and different places like that. And we find that uh, what an opportunity to minister to people. So Norm, this you have been a warrior in your personal life. I know you're no stranger to loss and in the counseling field and all that you've brought to this field Thank you. Thank you for the work that you've done and are continuing to do. You're such an inspiration. And thanks for taking time out of your day to be on our show. Thank you for the privilege. You take care of yourself and keep up the good work. I will. Consider this as a feature from counselor and author Rita Schulte, who speaks on matters of the heart. The losses of life assault our hearts. They can pile up like a stack of unpaid bills until one day the bottom drops out and everything we believe comes into question. Why? Because suffering can cause us to doubt God. So consider this. Each of us is in a battle to fight for and reclaim our hearts because they matter to God. Jesus said so to Simon Peter in Luke 22. He said, Simon, Simon, Satan is asked to sift you as wheat, but I prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. Jesus knew something would be happening to our hearts in the midst of all this mess called life, and he wanted us to notice, pay attention, because if we don't, the effects of our pain can become catastrophic and the death of our hearts inevitable. Go to RitaSchulte.com. Hey, we're back with part two on Mind Matters, and we're going to have the second part of Gary Sipke. Here's Rita. Like if I feel sadness, right, then that means that something's wrong with me. 
So it's like, I want to help people to understand that it's okay to accept a full range of emotions that, yeah, of course, we all want to hit the delete button on the bad things in our lives or the bad emotions. We don't want to feel them, but really it's about accepting the totalitarianness of the emotion and realizing that, like you said a, a while back, hey, things are going to shift. Now, if I'm clinically depressed, they may not shift because I'm stuck in that loop, right? Well, but you raised, I think, a really good risk factor that's part of that personality stuff that we talked about. And we call that experiential avoidance, Mm. right? So people who are experientially avoidant tend to not, they don't like negative feelings. Mm -hmm. They, They kind of have a hidden belief that they should be able to control all their internal experiences. And so they shouldn't get thoughts or feelings or images or memories in their mind that they don't want. And so when they get them, they start trying to push them out. Right. Not realizing that when you try to push these things out, they only get worse. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, and I always tell people, you know, your freedom and rest doesn't reside on the fact that you're never going to have a bad thought or that you're going to be totally freed from this. That's right. not reality. That's not life. And so accepting those things, you know, trying not to take, you know, get hooked by them, but realizing that, you know, it's, it's part of life. It's the nature of the fall. Absolutely. And so now then now one of the other things, it's a very unique kind of depressive thought for people who are in there. So you get the rumination, which is a, it's not about the specific thoughts you have. It's the way that you're thinking. Yeah. And I a lot of times try to, you know, educate people that rumination is a behavior, mm-hmm. something that you're doing. It's, a, it's where your attention goes and where your attention goes is where your brain goes. So if you start attending to all this stuff, then your brain's going to think that's what you want. It's kind of like your Google feed, right? If you start typing into Google, why am I depressed? Then it's going to bring up all these stories about that. But, but also next time you get on Google, you're going to find stories about depression and why people are depressed. Absolutely. Brain works exactly the same way. The other thing is that people, when they get depressed, think that they have to feel motivated before they can take action. Now, before they got depressed, they didn't believe that. And a lot of times I'll help people go explore like, okay, so when you were a kid, every morning you woke up and said, Woo, man, I can't wait to get to school today. Right? <laughs> uh, or, man, I was so excited about studying for that math test and spelling test last night. And they realized that, well, no, nobody feels like doing things that they value, that they need to do, but they can still do it. But when people get depressed, they come to believe, I can't do it. And that sidelines them and that keeps them in the loop. Uh, so it's one of the key depressive thoughts that we try to help them break out of. And, you know, a lot of Christians feel like very stigmatized, very marginalized that they are depressed. And the church has historically kind of missed the mark on this one, too. I mean, you're a Christian. You can't be depressed. Right. You know, and what yeah. see that is because that just adds more, you know, guilt and shame to a person who's already struggling. You know, I. I definitely see that it seems to be somewhat less prevalent than it used to be. And I think some of it's 
just we've we've educated people a little better about it. And more and more people are aware of people who've been depressed in their family or you know, prominent figures. But it's still one of those factors that people run into where they think, well, gosh, you know, if I love Jesus and I've given myself to him, then this wouldn't happen to me. And unfortunately, it does happen. Yeah, it's absolutely. Um, so, Richard, anything on your end? Yeah, no, I, uh, this has been great. Um, one thing that, uh, has been pretty apparent with the, uh, with not just the pandemic, but even before the pandemic, and you just see the world, uh, the way it is, uh, sometimes, uh, depression seems to be up, uh, in, uh, as far as numbers are concerned, but, is help? It, it seems like there's help all over the place. But if you if you have people who are unmotivated to do something about their depression because they're in depression, <laughs> how how do we help those people? Uh, and uh, if if you recognize somebody in who is in depression, how do we get help for those people? Well, sometimes it's just trying to get them to do the first step of it, maybe seeing a family doctor. Uh, a lot of times they feel like there's something physically wrong with them. Uh, and they, they don't feel like they're depressed. They feel like I'm just ill and I'm not feeling right. And so, you know, getting them uh, to a physician can be a helpful first step. Now, most phys- physicians today uh, don't just administer antidepressants. They usually have some referral network and, and then they can help aid in getting the person to at least reach out and, and start to do some therapy with, you know, hopefully people who have some some specialized training in, in treating depression. Um, you know, supportive therapy can be very useful, but there's some really specialized therapies now for depression uh, that can that can really help people, especially those who are not responding to antidepressants. Um, and we've got a whole bunch of different therapies that are out there, not just counseling approaches. Um, there's some that have been designed specifically for people who are chronically depressed, who don't respond to any medications or, you know, any of the other treatments that we talked about. Uh, and what would those be, Gary? Are you talking like electroconvulsive shock therapy or? Well, well, there is there is that. There's also what's called uh, TMS, transcranial magnetic stimulation. So that's a magnetic stimulation that doesn't require inpatient. It's outpatient. Uh, and, you know, when, when people have failed two antidepressant treatments and in a course of therapy, the chances that they'll get to remission is only about 6%. Wow. Okay. Uh, with TMS, uh, that can go up to 20 to 25%. And then some of the special counseling approaches that were developed and have been for chronic depression can get from 30 to 40% of those people to remission. Uh, usually we want to combine them together uh, so that you, the, the biggest payoff for doing the therapies with the medications or with these other treatments is that it helps prevent that relapse. Relapse rates are really high, like we talked about, Um, but you can help prevent it if, if they learn about what this is and and how to stop it before it gets into a 
What so do you little... think about uh, the drug ketamine? I know they've done a lot of clinical trials with that. It's well, they're starting to do the clinical trials, and you know, I mean, it's effective when meaning just like any other treatment, right? So anytime you see these new drug therapies, uh, you know, like when Prozac came out, it was the hottest thing going. And what people didn't realize is it was good, but only 30% of people got better. Right. Right. I mean, it was beating placebo. So ketamine is beating placebo and some people have some, there are some people who have really great responses to it, but just same thing for all the other treatments. Just if you want to go anecdotal, there's plenty of people who would tell you that Prozac totally changed their life. And some people it totally did. Um, so there are people who have good responses to it. Uh, and, you know, if you failed a bunch of other treatments, uh, it might not be, you know, bad to look into, but I would, I definitely don't want to try to hype it up as something that it's not. There's that we haven't discovered anything like that. Yeah. So it's good treatment. Maybe if you failed some of the other stuff. Mm. Thank you. This has been highly informative and uh, Richard, anything else from you? No, uh, it has been very informative. Thank you so much, Gary. Uh, we, uh, how do people get in touch uh, or get uh, some of your resources uh, that you have uh, that you've created and uh, have have uh, gotten out uh, in the in the last year or so? You know, like I was was telling Rita, I haven't really produced a bunch of stuff lately. I mean, there's some of the videos and stuff that I made with AACC. Um, I did a actual uh, 12, 12 to 15 hour training uh, on treating depression through AACC. That's a. But that's digital. available. You can, yeah. anybody can get that. Yeah, they can get it. And uh, it's, it's for therapists and it's about how to actually do these different methods uh, of treatment. So I think that's a, a pretty good resource. Um, also, your book with Tim Clinton attachments—that's yeah. you know still that's on Amazon. Uh, attachments: Why we love behave well, things the way we do. Yeah, why you do the things you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and great um, book. And we have a you know I have a and I don't have it in front of me, but if you look up my YouTube page, I have a bunch, quite a few videos posted there. I've got the depressive loop. Awesome. Uh, and, and the circle security attachment cycle in there. And those are useful. So but, that would be, uh, how do they get you on YouTube? Just Google your name on YouTube. Yeah. That's usually the best way to get it. I probably should have that stuff of, <laughs> to give to people, but yeah. You can uh, do that that be more prepared. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, anyway, so I think uh, there's a, there's a lot of great stuff. You know, people feeling depressed, a good thing is that you can really feel better. And, um, you know, when I have people come and see me and they're in that behavioral loop, uh, you know, I get pretty excited to know that we can help them break out of that loop. And then they can work on the rest of the problems in their life, right? Because, you know, depression has its own life. Yeah. Uh, But if you, it's hard to work on a depression or any of the other problems that you may have been carrying around with you when you're depressed that's not really the best time to work on them 
So sort of getting people out of the depression. And then if they need to work on that stuff, we do. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to uh, talk to us today. Hey, thanks for having me. I enjoy it. So much on your mind, nothing's really going right. Looking for a red.